The Mino Diaries, Episode 11, Red Bird, Part 6, Kandaki. Omina and Tupelo led Elaine down to the sacred spring beneath the bottle tree's roots and told her to lay on her back near the water's edge. Elaine was curious, but they insisted it was best to just course through this action and she'd understand everything when it was finished. She took a deep breath before laying down, and Tupelo came to sit behind her, supporting her neck and head in her lap. Omina's voice was steady and powerful in the quiet stillness of the cavern. Close your eyes and take deep breaths, they said, as they lit candles and burned incense. Tupelo began to massage Elaine's temples as Omina said words of prayer into the space. Elaine felt her own rosary beads placed in her hands, and she squeezed them for comfort. Omina sat opposite of Tupelo near Elaine's feet and said, Let the water guide you. Omina drew their pearl fan parallel from its holder and began to twist their wrist, willing the water of the spring to caress over Elaine's body from her feet all the way up to her head, leaving only space for her eyes, nose, mouth, and ears. She was totally encased by the healing water as Omina reminded her to breathe, to believe, and release. With the flick of Omina's fan, the water pulsed its glowing blue ripple across Elaine's form, and suddenly she was transported through a tunnel of light filled with voices and images, sensations and memories. Memories she'd never known consciously, but as she passed them, lifetimes worth, she found she recognized them. She felt herself enter and exit the world eight times. She felt each pulse through the cycle of reincarnation. She lived lifetimes, feeling her mind flood with the knowings of the past. She saw the temples and palaces on the River Nile, the crocodiles in the water, the fish in the nets. She saw wise women walking in procession down halls, great monuments built, the painting of hieroglyphics and the stars aligning above pyramids. She coursed through chiefdom, queenship, generalship. These lives she witnessed belonged to warriors dressed differently, surrounded by different people, 
different lovers, different trials and triumphs, but all of them with her own face. She fought their battles, cried their tears, died their debts. She heard and spoke their names. Amani Palade, Amani Katashan, Amani Tarakide, Amani Tor, Nawidamak, Amani Shaketo, Amani Renas, Shanak Dakito, Shanak Dakito, Shanak Dakito, fist wielder of sun flame, sole ruler of the throne, whose husband was not her king but her consort, the ruler of the Kushites, foremother of the highland kingdoms, bridge to the Judah lions of Solomon by the blood held between them and Makeda of Sheba, the lioness, the eye of the sky, Elaine could see. This mighty warrior journey across deserts, mountains, and seas to an island mountaintop where an ancient pair of swords had fallen, misplaced after the destruction of a cosmic city. She went to these swords with blades of pure starlight, but was intercepted by others seeking the same, a fox, a monkey king, and a praying warrior. The fox sought to use the swords for their mischief, the monkey for love and the nun to restore lost honor, but they each fell to the might of Shanak Daketo's crimson spear. Beaten fairly, they were meant to honor her victory, but by greed and desire, which burns the spirit like hot and twisted fire, the three called on darkness and attacked she who stood in victory and took her life for the swords before they fell upon each other in violent destruction, ultimately losing the sacred weapons in their violence. Never to be seen again, they dropped him from the height of the mountain. By their betrayal and dishonesty, were they subjected to the will of the underworld, the bondage of its masters. The big Oni found them and forced his mask on their faces to serve him forevermore. And as for Shanak Dakito, her own spirit had its journey to course, for she'd met her own doom by her pursuit of the sword. And across time and space, her soul had traveled until it landed at last in the womb of a woman from Sugar Flow in the Nile's sister's delta. And so incarnated was Elaine, the child surrounded by the eight Kandakis at the confrontation with her lineage's demons, she who had braved across the underworld and made her form fist at the temple of Omoya. She gasped awake, and the water of the spring fell away, as she caught her breath, pressing her hand to her chest. Tupelo held her steady, and Omina felt her temple. Elaine? Omina waited as the woman settled back into her own universe before looking up with eyes her own, but also someone else's. She'd been filled with memories which had changed her, rearranged her soul. Present now was the soul who'd always been there, but had been dormant within the shell. This woman said to Omina, Call me by a different name. Elaine is the name given to me by the mother and father who took the most precious thing from me. My name is Cleopatra. At the utterance, the candles flickered and Omina breathed in before echoing. Cleopatra. Cleopatra stood and thanked her sisters for their aid. Her voice and her posture were different now. She was who she'd been, but so much more as well. Standing in the glow of the sacred spring, 
was not the young soul from Sugar Flow needing direction and guidance. This Cleopatra was a warrior reborn, a general, a queen, a mistress of magics and ancient wisdoms. She left her fellow Mino and took the night to rest before rising in the morning to change into a fit of crimson red with a narrow skirt of cowrie shells. She went to the temple shrines alone before anyone else woke and thumbed prayers across her rosary beads, still a comfort to her evolved soul. She graciously thanked Omina, Tupelo, and Tehekama when they arrived in the throne room with her Mino mantles and her red dagger-changing spear in cases lined with soft fabric. She allowed them the honor of placing the metal over her skin, of placing her sacred weapon in her hands before she proclaimed her new name. She walked with the other Mino out of the temple to where the three warriors, the fox spirit, the monkey king, and the warrior nun were waiting. They knew by the shortcut of her eyes that the spirit of the Kandaki had returned to her consciousness, and they rippled with a bit of nervousness. She came to look each of them in the eye. The star swords are my way out of this dimension, back to the world of the living, which the three of you took me from, as did the parents of this sweet-souled incarnation. Luckily for the three of you, House Omoya does not hold grudges. She held out her hand to the monkey king, Son Goku, the most powerful of the three. Help me win back the swords, and I will see to it that your debt to me is cleared. No one will have claim over your souls again, she said, and the three warriors glanced at each other before agreeing with varying enthusiasm. She shook hands with each of them, pressing with a tad more force into the hand of the fox spirit, whose attitude was raging. She held his eyes the longest, because he was more twitchy than the others, more bothered by her power. She knew by his eyes, his soul was on the verge of demonhood, and her power under Jamo's tie was triggering to him. But demon or not, he cared more about freeing himself from the subjugation of the big Oni than he did about his long-standing disdain for the Kandaki. Cleopatra looked across the vast space of this dimension, and even in this change form, she still thought of Nahenu, the beautiful sun spirit whose light had kept her so warm in the chill of dark nights. She remembered, from the earliest lifetimes, a spirit who was not Nahenu, but who shared aspects of her being, who traveled from his own delta to the delta of her peoples, and had loved her past life with such intensity which could not last. She asked the Hekama to tell Nahenu that she was sorry. They wasted no time after that, going to the garage of the temple and rolling out on four motorbikes, roaring on toward the shadowy city of Nas Durell.